This is Abscond with Ethan Renault, episode 19. It is 11.58 p.m. on June 17th, 2018. It is almost midnight, and it is pouring rain outside. You might be able to hear it in the background, or like the big drops hitting the gutter. I don't know if you can hear that. But the rain has been coming down all day, and it was a very unfortunate day for it to rain, for me, for two reasons, because I had a softball game which got rained out, and... I was running around putting up posters for my book release party, which is this Friday. So, segue into an announcement there. If you live in Denver, or, you know, Colorado, and you want to come check out the book release party for my newest book, Now Let Me Find a Stopping Place, A Decade of Poems, Journals, and Letters, by Ethan Renault, come to Spur Coffee at 7 p.m. on Friday June 22nd. That's Spur Coffee. It's in downtown Littleton. I don't know the address off the top of my head, but it's Spur, just S-P-U-R, Coffee. And um, yeah, it's going to be an awesome night. I have a bunch of friends who are playing music, and we're going to do a couple giveaways of my books and maybe some other stuff. And Spur is an awesome place. I wrote probably the majority of this book in Spur, and I just love that place. I'm looking forward to an awesome release party. Um, I figured that kind of as an advert for this book, I could read a few poems from it, um, since mainly what it is is a collection of poetry. And um, there's some journals and letters sprinkled throughout, but primarily it's a poetry collection, part memoir, as it kind of tells the story of my life from the past 10 years just to kind of give the poems a little context. So I don't know. It's kind of a, it was a super fun book to put together, but I'm holding it in my hand now. Like I said, in that brief announcement before, it's real heavy, 339 pages, or maybe it's 40 something. I can't remember exactly. Um, But I'm going to read like one or two of these poems. I'm tempted to just flip it open randomly and read one. Okay, here we go. This one's called, I ran by the water. And it's from March 2nd, 2016. I ran by the water. My bare feet slip-slopped atop the wet sand in between the breaks that rushed in and splashed my shorts. I ran by an old Chinese woman, standing like granite toward the sunset. I pictured her longing, longing for the Pacific to unfurl before her so once more she could lay eyes on her home. I hear the words of the psalmist as he strums and whispers, How can I sing a song of Zion in a foreign land? So I ask him, where have we been that was not a foreign land? And I'm still running, clinging not to this strange country, but setting my eyes on Zion, longing one day to arrive and be an alien no more. Uh, This one is uh, on the very next page. It's from March 7th, 2016, and it's called Am I the Only One? Am I the only one who feels distant from God more often than near? Am I the only one pretending I've heard his voice? I would love to catch even a whisper. Am I the only one waiting for some kind of revelation, the way a child works on growing all year until their birthday and in one moment passes from four to five? I'm still waiting for my birthday. Am I the only disciple nodding off in the garden? 
I can't be the only one who prays memorized words. Sometimes I think someone swapped out my glass of resurrection wine for a box of grape juice. It's kind of angsty. Going through a tough time of not really hearing God, evidently, in that in that one. I'll do one more, just for those of you who are like, poems should rhyme and have some kind of meter or rhythm. Uh, so I'm going to find one with rhyme in it. I'm going to go to a different year. All right. This one is from July 24th, 2011. So I was, how old was I? I was 20 when this was written. I saw that day in sepia. I heard you speak in rhyme. I told you that there is none when you asked me for the time. I saw your face in porcelain, the easy kind to break. I tried to draw your figure on an old Egyptian plate. I took your picture in the grass, your hands behind your head. I tried to tell you, wait for love. You made your own instead. I see the day in sepia. You tell me you're now too. A person lives within you now. Our time has passed on through. I see your face in pictures now, in black and white and green. You're holding both your children near and holding in a screen. One of my close friends from New York, uh, who I had a thing with for a little while, a year or two after we had our thing, she told me that she was pregnant by her new boyfriend, and I was like, wow, well, that's the end of that. Um, So I guess that poem is kind of reflecting on the time that she and I had together, seeing it in those sepia tones through that, you know, beautiful golden tint of distant memory, as well as the reality of, hey, this came to an abrupt halt because you are going to be a mother. And uh, like I said, that was a long time ago. But anyway, I want to do one more thing before I get on to the substance or the meat, I guess, of this specific episode, which is to do a media update. Media Talk. Man, it's been a while since I made a podcast, and I feel really bad about that. Although I don't feel terrible because I wrote an entire book in the meantime. But I can't remember if I announced this before, but I have the movie pass, meaning I've seen basically every movie that's come out in the past couple months. So I've seen a lot of terrible movies. I walked out of Ocean's 8 because it was so horrible. And let's see, I saw a couple others that were just like mediocre, not even worth talking about. But the one that I was most pleasantly surprised by was Upgrade. As I'm recording this, it's still in theaters now. It's the one you probably you may have seen ads for it. I don't know if you guys see ads or not, trailers for movies. But it looked from the trailer like another somewhat cheesy, limitless type movie where he gets this like little implant in his spine and suddenly he's like superhuman, right? Like he can fight like crazy and he's unstoppable and it knows everything and and all this stuff. And so from the trailer I was like, "Eh, it'll be entertaining and mindless action." So I go see it, and I went to see it by myself, which in and of itself is a very unique experience. So I go to see it, and I was so blown away because here's my absolute favorite thing when I'm in a movie. I want to be in a movie, and as the story is being told, I want to have no idea what's coming next or how it's going to end or where it's going. So I want to be utterly surprised. I want to be on the edge of my seat guessing, wondering what's coming next. How is this film going to end? 
who is going to, you know, come out, come out on top or whatever. I want to be absolutely in the moment, brought along with the pace of the film, and that is exactly what happens in Upgrade. Uh, I don't want to give away too much. I don't want to tell you how it ends or even the, uh, the, the unique twist that they have on that type of thing. What I will tell you is that the film itself has the tone of a noir, N-O-I-R, I don't really know how to say that, film where it's like deep blacks and a lot of close-up shots, and it's just beautifully shot, and it's beautifully toned in this way that's kind of like dark and ominous, and yet, I don't know how to describe it exactly. It's very well done, incredibly well put together film. Uh, I will say... It's very violent, not all throughout, but there's a couple parts that you're just it just shows some some brutal stuff. So if you're averse to graphic violence, don't see Upgrade. However, if you can stomach it, it's really worth the story because it's so well told and it's just kind of straightforward, simple, but also keeps you guessing all the way till the end. So see that. I also started watching Atlanta with my roommate. In part because my brother recommended it. My brother and I have nearly identical tastes when it comes to movies. But also because of the This Is America music video. I was just enraptured by it. And I've watched it dozens of times now. And shown it to every single one of my friends. And if you haven't seen This Is America, you need to. Because I think it says so much. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful commentary on... I don't know, kind of the current state of America, and you can interpret it a lot of different ways. But I think just as an artistic masterpiece, I think it's mind-blowing. I just saw it for the first time, and I was just like, what did I just see? I think I got a little choked up just because of the... When I see something that is incredibly well done, and I can just tell that it is brilliant and you know nearly paradigm-shifting... I get a little choked up, regardless of what it is, if it's incredibly well done and artistic and original and beautiful. Um, that's definitely true of this. I've even gotten choked up in a couple Kendrick Lamar music videos, believe it or not. And I think that's just having to do with his take on both artistry and justice and uh, cultural commentary, things like that. I absolutely love those guys. So definitely see This Is America also, if you're interested, see the music video by Kendrick Lamar for All Right. It's also very powerful. Um, you could also go down a whole rabbit hole of beautiful Kendrick Lamar videos. Like Humble is one of the most beautiful music videos ever shot. Anyway, I'm getting off traffic. Op- I'm getting off topic. This has been Media Time with Ethan Renner. Media Talk. So now... Something I wanted to talk about a little bit, um, I know I'm by myself right now and I want to talk about this with several people who know a lot more about it than I do, but I want to talk a little bit about personality typing and understanding what they are and the one that I've become most interested in lately, the Enneagram. So I guess I'll start by describing the Enneagram. Um, In short, the Enneagram is a personality typing system, and I know that a lot of you listeners, if you're familiar with it, just said, no, it's not, because it it claims to be a whole lot more than just a personality typing system, 
but more a way of how you relate to God, the questions you're always asking about yourself, how you relate to other people, uh, the way you see the world, the way you experience the world, the way certain things impact you, the way you see certain events, literally kind of everything about you. And so when I first hear something like that, I'm the type of person that says, no, I could probably relate to a couple of those numbers, you know, like, uh, it depends on the day. Some days I might feel like a whatever other days I might feel like this. So that was my initial reaction. Uh, if you guys are like me, then you probably have the same reaction, but the Enneagram, there are nine different types in it. So off the top of my head, as best I can remember them, I'm trying to do this without like looking at anything. <laughs> so uh, if you're type one, you're the perfectionist. Every, you, you want everything to be in order. Type two is the helper. You enjoy helping other people. And in some ways, I guess the Enneagram talks about healthy twos and unhealthy twos, and then just kind of median twos and, you know, healthy fours and healthy five, you know, every single number has unhealthy traits and healthy traits. Um, so the two is the helper. The three is the performer. They kind of enjoy uh, performing, succeeding, getting things accomplished, being successful, um, kind of appearing uh, as if they have done things well. Number four is the individualist. These are usually the unique artists, the emo kids, the melancholy, the ones that absolutely, above all else, must stand out from the crowd. Number five... I can't remember the nickname for number five, but it's like they're curious about everything. They want to learn. They want to understand things. They enjoy knowledge. They, they, they basically want to comprehend the world and the way things work. Number six is called the loyalist. They enjoy being supportive and loyal to other people. And that's about as much as I know about the loyalist. Some numbers I know a little bit more about than others. Um, then there's seven, the enthusiast. They're the party animal. They're the ones who do not want to think about sad things or painful things, but they want to party. They always want to be doing something. They're exciting. They're enthusiastic. That's number seven. Number eight is the challenger. They're kind of known as being argumentative. They uh, don't want to be wrong. They are often the ones who stand up for stand up against injustice, fight for what's right, Healthy eights become activists and they stand up for good things. Unhealthy eights kind of um, just become angry and antagonistic against everything and everyone else. And then the last one, number nine, is the perf or not the perfectionist, the peacemaker. They just want everyone to get along. And uh, like I said, I am no expert on the Enneagram. I described those briefly as best as I understand them. Uh, a few more things about the Enneagram. Every number, it's easier if you look up a diagram of this thing. Um, so like every number has, it's connected to four other numbers. So like the numbers are laid out in a circle, one through nine in a circle. So every number has or can have what's called a wing. So I guess I'll just tell you now, I'm a four. I'm an individualist, the the one who has to be unique and stand out and do things differently than the rest of the world. Um, 
And it's funny because that's exactly the number that would say, I won't fit in a personality type. No one can describe me. No one else is just like me, you know? And, and then I realized later that's exactly what a four would say. And I hate it, but I also love it because I've learned a lot about myself in that. Um, but anyway, so you could be a four wing three or a four wing five. The wings must be on either side of the number that you are. So, for instance, you can't be a four-wing seven or something like that, which is what I thought I was for a while um, until I just learned more about it. But uh, a four-wing three would be an individualist who often likes to perform and be accomplished and successful. Four-wing five is a four but often displays traits of five, being curious, loving to learn, or you can just be four in the middle. And to be honest, I think that's what I am because I see both three and five-ish things in myself equally, but definitely most of all a four. Uh, the other two numbers it's connected to are what's called a stress and security number. So if you're looking at this diagram, it looks like a crazy like ninja star type thing. And um, so there's little arrows and one of those arrows is connected to what's called your stress number. The other one's what's called your security number. So your stress, basically, if you're a four and you're stressed or you don't feel uh, comfortable, you're in a new situation, you just don't feel like yourself, you might bounce across to whatever number it touches and that's you display traits of an unhealthy version of that number. Um, and then your security number is basically when you're with your best friends, all your guards are down, you're completely secure, you're very comfortable, healthy, that's when you show traits of your security number, which is also usually across the spectrum. Um, so anyway, super interesting. And the reason I bring up the Enneagram is because the more I've read about it, the more I've seen how in a lot of ways it is more than just a basic personality typing system. Uh, you know, like uh, the Myers-Briggs like only focuses on personality, but I think that the Enneagram has a broader scope, a broader range than the other personality typing tests. And like I said, the Enneagram shows a lot of ways in which we interact with a lot of things from ourselves, other people, to God, to how we interpret events which happen to us. And it's helped me, honestly, in a couple ways. Mainly, it's, it's, it's how I see God. I've seen that he, you know, as a four, he made me unique and individual. And this is something fours are always heavy on it. And, and the thing that blows my mind is that he made me the way I am, and he gets me. I think the biggest thing for a four is that we think that no one else will ever get us. No one understands us. No one else is like us. And it's just brought me so much comfort to say, God gets me, you know, like in the deepest way possible. He understands me. He gets me. And that just really continues to blow my mind. And it's helped my relationship with God. It's helped me understand myself better and why I do certain things the way I do and, um, and all that stuff. So hopefully in the future, I want to connect with someone who knows a heck of a lot more about it than I do and bring them on this podcast so we can discuss it more in depth, more in detail, 
hopefully I'm going to have my best friend Dave on this podcast again soon because special shout out to Dave today, well now technically yesterday, was his birthday, June 17th. Happy birthday, Dave. My birthday is tomorrow, June 19th. And uh, we had a joint birthday party with another friend, Anna, whose birthday is today, June 18th. And it was so much fun. And uh, anyway, birthday parties are the best. And Dave's coming back to town this next weekend for the book release party. So hopefully we'll put a new podcast out about some interesting topic you guys want to hear about. Anyway, the Enneagram uh, is super interesting. I don't want to say too much about it by myself because I've read two books on it but I still don't feel like I understand it or comprehend it fully. You know what I mean? Um, It's very, in a lot of Christian circles, it's become ubiquitous. You kind of see it everywhere. But at the same time, it's very mysterious and hard to comprehend. A lot of people say if you can understand it or simplify it, then you don't understand it at all and you're completely misrepresenting it because it's not simple or easy to comprehend. So uh, it's super interesting. Uh, If you're like me, who's usually skeptical and averse to personality type stuff like that, then, you know, maybe give it a try. Maybe the Enneagram's different. I always tell people when they ask me about my Myers-Briggs results, I think the most accurate way I described it is the test results I got, which was E-000. Like the last three were all perfectly in the middle. I'm 100% an extrovert, so e and the rest, I was, like, I was kind of in the middle. I can kind of bounce back and forth either way. So that one, I'm, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. It never really did it for me. But the Enneagram's interesting. Look into it if you're curious about it. And um, one, one aspect of the extrovert from the Myers-Briggs, which I think completely does apply to me, is the fact that extroverts are the type of people, typically, who will know a little bit about a lot of things, Whereas introverts tend to know a lot about few things or one big thing. Um, it's like that, who was the ancient Greek who said, uh, I'm totally going to butcher this. It's like the hedgehog knows one big thing, but the fox knows many little things. Something like that. Anyway, I'm definitely more on the side of, I want to know about everything that there is to know about in the world, but I don't necessarily have a you know, PhD in any one thing specifically. That's kind of how my brain always operates. Anyway, all that personality stuff is super interesting. Uh, I'd love to hear your responses. I know I haven't said that much, and that's because I don't want to say a lot that I'm not super familiar with. But if you have questions, or if you do know a lot about the Enneagram or other personality types, or if I butchered something, or if I should have expounded in something else, uh, let me know. As always, the best way to contact me is through my website. Go to ethanrenault.com, click contact, and that sends an email directly to my inbox. Or you can send that same email to ethan at ethanrenault.com, and that'll also get an email directly to me. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's all just at ethanrenault. Also, check out my books on Amazon. Um, Now I have three that are up there. Now, Let Me Find a Stopping Place is the most recent one. It's a collection of poetry. Before that was The Tall People, a collection of short fictional stories. I wrote 15 of them, and then uh, a lot of other people, 13 other people each wrote one. So there's 28 stories total. 
And the book before that is The New Lonely. That's about modern loneliness and uh, really our generation. If you're a millennial, I think you'll probably get the most out of it. Just kind of different cultural factors that have uh, created this sense of loneliness or isolation, even though we're more connected to each other than ever before. Those are all on Amazon. Check them out. Uh, if you forget the titles, just type in my name, Ethan Renault, and they should all pop right up. So thank you guys so much for listening. I know this was a very cursory survey level introduction to the Enneagram and personality typing. Um, I want to get more into it, but I also don't want to say things that I'm making up. So hopefully uh, let me know what you think about this topic and I'll definitely grab some other people and uh, bring it back up in the future. Thank you guys for listening. You guys are the best. I will talk to you again soon. This has been Abscond with Ethan Renault, episode 19.